Hi there, this is Luke, and on today's episode, we're talking about Growing Up, Happy Sad Cinema, and Taika Waititi's Boy. Welcome to Notes from the Silver Screen. Look over here! Hey, come on, man! I've got something to show you! It's choices! I already get my hair cut at the cotton corral. Well, maybe you'd be interested in some homewoven handicrafts. Did you take it? Yeah, I took it. You knew I took it. Teddy knew I took it. Everyone knew I took it. Ricky Baker. Ricky Baker. Happy birthday. Once rejected. Now accepted. I thought I was like you, but I'm not. Boy, the name of the movie. The name of the movie and the protagonist. When I first saw it, and kind of in a certain way, it reminds me of like a New Zealand version of Napoleon Dynamite, except not lighthearted. It's like yeah. the themes they deal with are like real human themes that are kind of sad. But I, it was something about it. Maybe it's like the daydreams that he has or the way it shot or something or just because he's a goofy kid. Uh, I can actually kind of dig that because the, the biggest thing I was thinking about on this rewatch was just that small town like feeling. Boy is set in the small town where Taika grew up and has so, a population yeah. of like 300 people. I was wondering like... Is it autobiographical at all? There's something about it that seemed like it might be. It's not autobiographical in, as far as I know as in the terms of the story, but I guess there's like an autobiographical aspect to it because he is examining life in his small town and how he grew up in the 80s with all these pop American influences in his Maori village and... He's examining his culture and, and the influence of America on it and just growing up in, in a small village in New Zealand. So I don't think it's about what stuff that happened in his life, but it's based on characters that he saw around him and kind of the same world that he grew up in. So I feel like right. it has this really sincere, semi-autobiographical feel to it. And I just love the, the small town vibe. It just felt really quaint and there's this beautiful ocean and fields and everything a lot of poverty it seems like like the house and everything is run down yeah the old car there next to the goat and this is this is the first movie that i have only seen once right like that was watched for the first time for the podcast so it's cool for me to be able to watch something new rather than revisiting an old favorite i i was Reading some interviews and stuff about Boy and some re reviews. In essence, Boy is a, a coming-of-age film because it is about the titular boy and he's coping with meeting his father. So here's, here's a question for you. I, I didn't notice this the first time, but did Boy, like, ever actually see his father before... The events of the film yeah 
because he was there. Wait, wasn't the dad there when his little brother Rocky was born? That's what I thought the first time. But on rewatching, they have that clip where, you know, the mother's sitting in the chair crying and you see Rocky's or the grandma is sitting there crying and you see the mother's feet sticking out of the bed and the bloody sheets. Mm -hmm. And in the one, it's his the dad's on his knees there crying. But later on in the film, they cut back to that scene and the father's gone. So the first time I watched it, I thought that it was just showing him leaving. Like after his his wife died, he couldn't handle it. And so he left. But I think when they cut back to that and he's no longer there is when Boy confronts Alamein and he says, I, I don't remember you or you you were never here and then they cut back to that scene and it's just the grandmother and and rocky and and boy so now i think my my new interpretation of the film is that he doesn't like he was he wasn't really there even before the wife died i don't feel like he was very present in their life he was still out carousing with friends because there's another shot where they cut back to that horizontal tree on the beach and it's just the mother and boy and the dad isn't there any longer so it's those Mm -hmm. two shots that i feel like i i think boy probably saw alamein at least occasionally but i think even before the mother died he wasn't very present in his life at least that's my my new interpretation (laughs) upon a rewatch yeah i think probably true just based on the way they interact and that it seems like he's been gone for well he's been in jail so that yeah. explains that absence i remember there was like a photograph of um boy's mom when she was pregnant with rocky i'm presuming and he like the dad was in the photograph with her yeah so maybe he was there sometimes kind of just in a transient way and i i mean ultimately it, it doesn't really matter because the story is still about you know he's an estranged father whether he was present or or only in and out before the the death of the mother and and going to jail and all of that he's still been very absent for from their lives for for years at least yeah i thought the progression was interesting because at the beginning boy seemed to kind of deify his dad well there's kind of two aspects to it i guess because a lot of it just is in his mind right like it's just stories he tells himself or he makes up an imagined world. There's kind of that motif that continues throughout. I remember at least two of the daydream sequences where his dad is like Michael Jackson kind of dancing. But even like when they interact with him in person in the real world, he seems to look up to him at first. And then it just kind of fades away until it kind of comes to a climax at the end. Like he and the dad doesn't even want to be called dad, he wants to be called Shogun. That guy's like a big child. I read it as he has this idealized version of his father and he's he's making up all these stories. You know, he's a war hero. He's as good a dancer as Michael Jackson. He's rich. He he's all these broke things. broke out of the prison and killed a guy with a spoon. Yeah. Two of them. <laughs> and then when Alamein shows up, Alamein is also kind of, he, he's very inventive with himself, right? He thinks he's this hard ruler the shogun of this gang and he's a cool renegade and nothing's ever his fault boy initially he 
I don't I don't think he's like starts to his fascination with his dad wanes when he arrives because initially he tries to imitate him and you see him getting in trouble. He he starts neglecting his his siblings and cousins and everybody that he's supposed to be taking care of and starts to to go down this path that Alamein has gone on until you hit that turning point in the film where he realizes that that's not good and he, he decides to you know accept responsibility and goes back and they clean up the house and he prepares real meals for everyone instead of just milk and bread yeah that's true so like he's helping his dad find the money that he um he had I guess, presumably stolen mm-hmm. he uh he finds it and he buys uses some of it with you know without telling the dad to buy some of the ice cream and his dad kind of flips out at him and takes his jacket back and then the aunt scares him off so i had that kind of in mind leading up to kind of well i guess the penultimate but in terms of like climax probably the ultimate moment when when boy gives him the money that the goat had eaten that money that he was looking for is now gone and he confronts him and like you said he says that he was never there and slapping on him I mm-hmm. thought I was expecting something different I guess just based on the ice cream scene like I was worried for the safety of boy honestly but like the dad really didn't do anything he was I think that was interesting for him and his character because it makes him so much smaller and he's not you know like a, a bad guy maybe he's just more of a cartoonish bad guy and a, a small person right like a small man so I, I have two points on that first i i agree with you that when boy finally confronts him he just deflates because he isn't a, a hardened criminal he isn't the leader of a of a cool gang he isn't a renegade he's just kind of a a mess up a screw up then the other point as far as him being a villain i mean he's obviously an, the antagonist but i think one of the things that's really impressive to me about the film is the fact that even though Elamain is is the antagonist and he he's a bad influence and he's not a good father he isn't really a bad guy there there's innately things we like about him right he's just charming and he seems kind of harmless so it's it's not like a one-dimensional villain it's not oh this this bad father has come to corrupt the boys we can tell he obviously doesn't have very good intentions, but there, there are still moments where we see that he does care at least a little bit. He's, he is trying in his own, not the right way, but he does take the boys out for a drive and he, he plays with them and he spends quality time with them. He's high and he's more focused on just having fun himself but I think it's a really mature take on the situation to have Alamein not be one-dimensional. And I was reading in some interviews and some comments that Taika's made that that was really something he, he wanted to do because he was becoming a little disenfranchised with acting because he felt like a lot of the characters are, are kind of one-dimensional and not that interesting. I feel like there is real depth to, to Alamein. He's not Oh, he's a bad father who's neglectful. He's a guy who who's a little too full of himself and a little too inventive in how he sees himself, who as in some 
ways wants to be a good father but fails to do so and rocky seemed to warm up to him too like he was really aloof at first but over time he seemed kind of to see him in, in the same way that a boy did although i'm i'm reminded of that scene where rocky has like a sparkler in his hand then he skates up to alamein and puts a puts his hand on his forehead what is that about what is that supposed to mean why is he touching his forehead? Is he using his powers to do something? Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to remember. Doesn't he... What do they say to each other? Because that's I don't right think when, they say anything. Rocky and the dad, he, he just... They don't say anything before Alamein grabs Rocky's jacket and Boy interrupts? I mean, at the scene before Boy confronts Alamein and it's, just, it's right after or right before that um, right before that confrontation that Rocky is there with him and he puts his his hand on his forehead. I think it is him using his powers. I I think in that point, kind of, that's when Alamein has been defeated. His his gang just ran off with all of his pot and that that's before Boy brings him the money, right? That's the scene right before Boy brings him the chewed up money. Yeah, it's in the same location, as I recall. Like, right after that is when he brings the chewed up money. Yeah, I, I think it's just him trying to do his, his powers. I don't know. I think that's just showing the kind of that Rocky has come to accept him as his father because he was very aloof at the beginning and he wouldn't even talk to him and didn't really interact with him. Yeah, maybe that's it. Just, I, well, I didn't notice it, but just thinking about it now, it seems like strange. I don't really know what's going on there. There's a lot of it that's kind of quirky like that, like the weirdo who goes and picks stuff up off the beach. Yeah, that guy was an interesting character. So I was uh, watching a video about a video essay about Taika and happy, sad cinema. And he has a quote, playing out extreme or unusual characters in the straightest of ways it was, is what makes deadpan serious so funny. And I mean, he's he kind of came up acting and and writing with writing and directing with flight of concords where they do that deadpan serious comedy all of his his filmic works are taking this extreme character and just playing it very very seriously just being really real with with it you have this dad who thinks he's he's incredible and his son idolizes him and could ham that up but there, there's an earnestness to Taika in that role. So originally, he, Taika was going to cast an actor to play the father, and there was Wait, that another... was Taika. You're saying that played the father? Yeah, that's Taika. Oh, I didn't know that. That's fun. He had very specific desires for for the character and how he was to be represented, and it would be easiest just to play it himself. And one thing that's interesting from like the backstory of the film is based and shot in that village in New Zealand where Taika grew up and they just went to the public schools around where they were going to be shooting and asked if anybody wanted to come audition for a role in a feature film so all the children are are non-actors who just wanted to to audition and and they got the parts and James the the actor of boy was originally an extra and 3 days before they started filming Taika felt that it wasn't going to work out with the actor they had cast for Boy. And so he asked James 
to take on the part. Yeah, I got you. And I, I feel like he did a great job with it. He's, he's really standout. I always think it's interesting watching films with children because it's, it's kind of sketchy, you know, casting or creating a film even where a child is, is the central character because it, it all depends on, on that performance. Yeah, that is a great job. And they, they all seem like affable, right? I thought the ending of the movie was kind of weird. Or I don't know if word's the right word, but it just seemed open-ended. Like there wasn't a strong resolution. It seemed like it was open to that and open to reconciliation between Alamein and, and um, Boy and Rocky. Because he uh, finally entered the grave or the graveyard and um, went to the grave. But like they didn't say nothing. They just sat across from each other, and that's how it ends. I don't know. Are we supposed to make anything from that? Well, I I think it's purposely amb- ambiguous because boy is is the story about boy. Alamein is is just a secondary character, someone who exerts an influence on boy. To me, boy is all focused on on Alamein Junior. Like growing up and and becoming disillusioned with his father and coming to to accept you know his his role his responsibility it's kind of sad because he's you know they are really poor and he's in this really unfortunate situation where he has to act as a as an adult as a parent to all these children and at the end it it is you know that a fork in the road is Alamein going to be a part of their lives or is he going to finally leave for good? But that's that has nothing to do with Boy. That's all on Alamein Sr.'s choice. Either he can he can come back and and make some amends, make some peace with with Boy and Rocky, or he can go his own way. Either way, Alamein Jr. is going to be fine because he's come to to kind of find out where he fits into life he's he's come of age so to say yeah i'll buy that i thought yeah that was a good movie i like the the setting of it you know in new zealand that's some wonderful natural background mm-hmm. to it and um it's well it just doesn't seem like there are a lot of polynesian movies out there i guess another aspect yeah. of it uh, let's let's talk a little bit about um i guess the function of the film or or kind of the form it takes so i have another quote from from taika he says i want to explore the painful comedy of growing up and interpreting the world i believe that despite our faults and inadequacies through all pain and heartache there is still room to laugh and i I haven't seen Eagle vs. Shark or Jojo Rabbit, but of the rest of his films, which admittedly there aren't that many to base this off of, but I've, I like Boy the most because I feel like it does a really good job of, of balancing this really heavy situation. It, it's kind of a sad life for Boy and Rocky and, and everybody in the house because they're very poor and... They just have the the one grandmother to look after them and take care of them and 
Alamein is a really poor father, but even though it's this dour situation, there's still, you know, these funny moments, and it's 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 a good blend of lighthearted and and serious, which I feel like Tyke is really good at balancing those two, without either detracting from the other. Yeah, I think the probably the a lot of the funny aspect too comes through with his friend group. You know, like that kid with the long hair and the other ones there with them. I don't know her name. Is that one girl though that like um harvests the marijuana every so often when they're out in the cornfield? And I think she really perpetuates that idea or um develops it. She's part of boys life and they're friends, but you see that like after uh Alamein had stolen all the marijuana and she got a, a shiner. Mm-hmm. A black eye from presumably I don't I don't know did it say is it like her father that she's yeah. helping out or something but so yeah I think that that really shows that idea there kind of the lighthearted and the sinister working together and finding the humor and I I really like that it's from the perspective of boy and so you know you have those moments where you can see into his his imagination and you have you know Alamein as a as a deep sea diver or uh, breaking out of jail or dancing like Michael Jackson. Or he's a samurai. He's the shogun and he has a little samurai yeah. sword and hair. So I, I feel like there are those moments where it, it, it is lighter. And then you also have all the hand-drawn animation style from Rocky's drawings and, and notebooks. Because it is a very childish point of view as we see the world through through these little kids' eyes. I also thought it was interesting that Boy's biggest hero is Michael Jackson, and he imagines his father as Michael Jackson in at least two sequences that I can think of. Again, um, from one of the, the interviews I was watching with Taika, he talks about this idea of... Uh, as children, we kind of picture our parents as if they were our heroes, you know? We have the people we look up to most are are these heroes that, that we find in, in pop culture and the world around us and also our parents. And there's kind of like this this blurred line for boy on, you know, where where one begins and the other ends. And I think it kind of becomes more more definite as he realizes that Alamein isn't the the best example for him. I guess this is kind of a tangent, but you you mentioned a, a comparison between um, Napoleon Dynamite and Boy. I think we, I remember a scene where you see in Napoleon's like sketchbook of him drawing ligers. Is there animations in that film throughout or is it just that one scene? There, are, Well, there are drawings and stuff, right? Like in the point dynamite when he sends the prom invitation with the portrait but I don't, I don't i don't think there's anything that's like animated as far as like motion goes like in the same way that boy there was like cartoon is that the right word to describe it because it's like in motion right it's the it's the drawings in motion yeah there wasn't anything comparable in that way but there was like the i think the idea of drawings maybe yeah, I don't really remember them being in motion. Here's one more thing. I don't know if it fits anymore, but I'm going to say it 
it was I noticed like there are a couple of female characters that seem to stand outside of the like the nonsense of like the crazy horse gang and and boy's perception of them and his child childishness um and that was like the aunt which had she wasn't in a whole lot but um she just seemed like a kind of a no-nonsense and kind of sees through Alamein. And yeah. um, also the little girl, I don't know her relation to boy, but she's like, I think she usually had like a pink dress on or something. Yeah, one of the cousins. Yeah, one of those. She seemed also very like, they had like a kind of a wisdom, Discerning. I think. Yeah. So I thought yeah. they were kind of interesting characters in the background. I think it's a good film because more than what we do in shadows or hunt for the wilder people. I feel like there's more of a substantive connective tissue here. Hunt for the wilder people. You do get a little bit of that, that with, with the main character, I can't remember his name, the, the boy in that film, you do have <laughs> like an emotional through line and he's, as he's trying to like find a family what we do in shadows it's kind of all just you know one one joke it's there's not really anybody to connect to or not an emotional through line of the story and i feel like that's what boy does really well and from what i've heard jojo rabbit as well which i'm going to move up higher on my list of things to watch yeah and like i said i hadn't seen this one before i thought it was an all right movie yeah, i don't know it probably doesn't make my top 10 but um, it was worth the watch, and I mentioned before I, I kind of like the um, the Polynesian aspect of it. I feel like there that was some maybe something novel in a certain way, and um, those islanders are friendly, yo. And I thought that actually shone through. I guess it's kind of a stereotype to say that. I don't know. I haven't met anyone to disprove it yet. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Notes from the Silver Screen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, and know someone else who might, please share it with them. We'll be back here in the not-too-distant future with a new episode on the Coen Brothers' No Country for Old Men.